Sports Network podcast is brought to you by Varsity Link, the athlete social media network. Varsity Link aims to bridge the gap between a professional and social network for athletes and fans alike. Post your highlights, record your stats, share your profile, and get recruited. For more, visit varsitylink.com and download the Varsity Link app available on the App Store and the Google Play Store. Well, week zero is in the books. Week one's coming up. Labor Day weekend is uh, is on the horizon. So football season started, but now it's actually starting to feel like football season. So we're going to talk about it. Shore Sports Network podcast back again, talking football uh, once a week, as we always do, as we always will, excuse me, this entire season, Scott Stump and Bob Batters. And uh, we'll get right to it. I mean, week zero in the past couple of years was a handful of teams playing and it was like, it was ho-hum. You were like, yeah, a few teams play, but it really doesn't kick off till next week. You might as well just call it week one now because we had 27 teams play. And, uh, you know, some interesting storylines right out of the gate. Uh, not too many division games, but the ones that, you know, were played were pretty pivotal and uh, and really a lot to get into. So uh, before we bemoan our sports uh, fandom later in the podcast, we'll talk about short conference sports, Scott. So uh, how's it going today? And uh, what stuck out to you uh, from the week zero games? Yeah, this was an action-packed weekend. Like, I can't remember the last time you learned so much about certain teams right out of the gate like this early. Um, the big matchup, especially state rankings-wise, and sure, you know, our number one team, Tom's River North, defending group five champs. They go down to Ocean City to play Millville, the defending group four champs. Unbelievable matchup for the for a week zero game. And North grinds out a 14 to seven win. I thought the most impressive thing is, you know, that shows that North is a balanced team. I know we always think of their offense, right? You know, they set a state record for points in a season last year at going 14-0. Michael Ford was the state player of the year and put up ridiculous numbers at quarterback. And he had a really good game here, but it didn't translate to the scoreboard necessarily with 171 yards rushing. But, I mean, you saw them a bunch of times last year. I felt like their defense quietly, nobody talked about it, but they had like four shutouts and four or five other games where teams only scored six or seven points. So I think mean, they showed they can win against a tough team if their offense is not firing on all cylinders. It's funny because I was uh, I was texting with Tom Zorn, head coach Dave Ozerwitz, because I watched as much of the game I could on the live stream. And on that, shout out to Cape Atlantic Live, uh, the, who was broadcasting all those games down at the Battle of the Beach. Tremendous job. It was really nice to just be able to jump on YouTube and watch those games. So I caught a good amount of it, and certainly North's defense was impressed. So I texted Oz, hey, great game. That's an impressive win. He's like, and our offense wasn't that good. Like, we're not very good right now. I'm like, man, if, if that's the way they're thinking right now, you know, you, you can tell that they're not certainly not resting on their laurels from a season ago. But back to the defense, yeah, they were awesome last year. Quietly was like, wait, they also have the number one scoring defense in the short. Right. And, again, a lot of weeks they were blowing teams out. But when they played the top-end teams, they did the same thing. And the question was this year against certainly a much more challenging schedule – you know, can they keep that pace up on both sides of the ball? And you're not going to find a tougher test, uh, you know, than Millville really in terms of, you know, what their athletes bring in space and the different things you have to worry about defensively. They did an awesome job. Don't give up one touchdown. It was on a big play from their stand, uh, stud wide receiver, Lotzier Brooks, in the fourth quarter. But they were awesome. They had five sacks, Blaze Bolin, their, their junior linebacker, and Jalen Matthews, their 
They're outstanding two-way linemen who's committed to Penn State, pulled out of pair of sacks. You see Jackson in game clinching INT. Jeremiah Pruitt was everywhere to the point where you don't know what his stats are going to look like because he does so many things, but he can affect the game so many ways, coming off the edge, covering guys in space. So, yeah, to do that to Millville and hold a team like that down who's used to scoring over 30 points a game, holding right. to only seven, and in week zero, when you know you're not hitting on all cylinders, yeah, that was that was really impressive. Because you yeah, know I what mean, that Jackson, offense is going to bring. Yeah, to Jackson with a huge pick. You know, they came up clutch when they absolutely had to have it. And I talked to Blaze Ball, and I mean, this is his first year. I mean, he's stepping in an inside linebacker for his older brother, uh, Ty, who graduated from last year's team. And he said he worked out a lot this past season with Jeremiah Pruitt. And that has paid immediate dividends, you know, getting after the quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think it's for North, it's not that this team needs confidence. I mean, they're already, they're won 15 games in a row, but the fact that they know if it's a low scoring slug fest type of game, we can win that style too. It's not, it doesn't have to be a shootout or something like that. Like our defense is good enough to get us that kind of victory. Um, and speaking of a team that can light it up, you were at another, a huge American division game right out of the bat. To me, the two things that stood out as someone just following along all of your tweets and the stuff was crucial injury, obviously, for Middletown South in the first quarter. And then also Owen O'Toole led the short conference in passing yards last year, but feels like he's about to take it to an even bigger level this year for Rumson. It really you hit the nail right on the head. And, and like both things can be true. We're like Middletown South's outstanding quarterback, safety, kicker, punter, like everything uh, Jake Zwakiel left the game early in injury, didn't return. And that really hurt Middletown South. I'll get into. And on the flip side, like, I don't, would it have affected the result, the final result at the end in terms of a Rumson win? I don't know, because that's how good Rumson looked, you know, in, in a lot of different areas. Certainly O'Toole, you know, 19 to 25, I believe, 233 yards, a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. But just the way he did it, you know, he was, he looked great on short throws, intermediate, long. Like he, there are a couple throws, that three throws that really stood out. One was just like a little six-yard completion, but it was like dropping the arm angle and just doing what he could to just fit it in, like a really advanced quarterback play. And then two throws he made to uh, to Nick Thomas, their junior receiver who had a breakout game. Yeah, but to say, he was the guy I don't think a lot of yeah. people knew about coming into this game. No, not at all. But he made one throw where he got absolutely lit up on a rush and was off balance. And as it's let go, I'm looking, I'm going, you know, where's this thing going to land? Is this could this be an interception? No, he like dropped it right in Thomas's lap, and it's like whoa. And then he, you know, later in the game, just Thomas beat his guy off the line, and and he just threw a nine round just right in, right into his hands. Getting have to break stride, just very impressive. Uh, but back to Zwakiel, you know, Rumson goes down, long drive. Colin Gallagher, the reigning defensive player of the year, hits O'Toole with a sack, kind of puts them behind the chains. They go forward on fourth downs. Wakefield knocks it down. The end zone turnover on downs. So you're saying, okay, Middletown South dodgeable. Let's see what they can get going. Second right. play, there's Wakefield up the middle, breaking a tackle on a quarterback keeper, 45 yards, down to the Rumson 30. All right, Middletown South looking good. He comes limping off. It didn't look like it was anything really bad at the at the time, but that was it. He never returned. Um, and Middletown South went down on that drive, got inside the five-yard line, had a touchdown, called back, missed the field goal and you know they did end up scoring but that was kind of it for them as far as yeah, and that's the problem with, with losing a guy like that it's like losing four players yeah you know it, i mean like you really said was. the backup kicker has to come in and kick if they're going to try a field goal after that 
the backup punter has to come in and punt, which that could be a whole difference. And against a team that throws the ball as well as Rumson, you just lost one of the best defensive backs in the Shore Conference. Now, I was texting with uh, Middletown South coach Steve Antonucci. He was saying they're it's, they're evaluating him. He's kind of he's a work in progress as as far as um, Antonucci put as far as his injury is concerned. Game time decision against Raritan. Um, I mean, if he came out of the game and couldn't go back at all, you know, you 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 lean like he may not be able to go this week. But again, no official word on that as far as that's concerned. But that's a really big hole to have to patch if you're Middletown South, especially in an absolutely unforgiving division. It's not like you have a couple like real easy games to just coast through where you can miss three or four weeks. Like that could mean another couple losses. Yeah. I mean, every team has their indispensable players and he is one of them for Middletown South and probably the most, just because of how, you know, he's a three phase player and and a very good one at that. You know, if he doesn't play quarterback, he's an all shore D back. If he doesn't do any of those, he's an all shore kicker. He's an all shore player at three different spots and you can't just plug in different players for that. It's Middletown right. South has plenty of talented players on team, but like when you're, like you said, in that division, you need all hands on deck or else you're going to fall behind the chains pretty quickly and it's going to be hard to recover. So for their and, sake, you know, for his as a senior, you hope he's back soon. Yeah. And I mean, tell me a little bit more about Thomas, you know, like I, we all knew about Nick Rigby. He was one of the most productive receivers in the shore last year. But for another guy to come out and have a hundred yard game off the bat, that's got to be scary. If you're trying to game plan against Rumson, like, man, they got another receiver now who can hurt us that bad. Yeah. And talking to Owen O'Toole after the game, you know, I asked him about that. I mean, certainly looked like they're Nick Rigby's going to get a lot of attention. And when you lead the right. conference in receptions and yards, it's kind of expected. And that was the case. And Middletown South secondary, even without his weight, feels pretty good. Owen, Owen Richter kind of plays a little bit outside linebacker and in the secondary is also very, very good. Um, they're bracketing him like, hey, make another guy beat us. And that was Nick Thomas. I mean, he, he was on team last year. I, I think O'Toole said he got in a little bit, but wasn't a, a big factor on the varsity level. Uh, and he looked great. I mean, making catches, you know, intermediate deep. Um, he brings a lot of speed, which is, you know, a little bit different. You know, Rigby's a move the chains guy, great route runner. He's going to catch pretty much everything you throw his way. And now you see them able to stretch the field with Thomas. They did it on multiple occasions. So if that's going to be the case, now you got two guys you got to worry about. Um, and a couple other receivers look good too. I mean, he had five different re- receivers spread the ball around. Um, and that's just going to make them more dangerous because he is the type of quarterback that if you're open, he's going to hit you. And, and some quarterbacks, if you take away their number one receiver, they're not the same. He showed Rigby, I think, had two catches for 17 yards and a touchdown. And he threw for 233, and it wasn't a problem. So impressive across the board uh, regarding Rumson's passing. Game. And now they have Matawan. And I know in the preseason we thought, wow, this could be a really intriguing matchup. But it was a little bit of an eye-opener, not to dwell on the negative, but to see Matawan lose 42 to nothing to C- Cedar Creek down at the Battle of the Beach. Um, Cedar Creek only two years removed from a 13-0 season. They did have a losing season last year. They had their quarterback back, but that – was a little surprising given I think the preseason expectations for Madelon. Um, and that's really tough because now you're in that hole and you have to play Rumson this week. Very surprising. Not that they lost, just that A, that the final score was what it was, 42-0. And the fact that the game was scoreless after the first quarter and it was only 6-0 Cedar Creek at the half. And it just totally got away from Madelon in the second half. And Cedar Creek started going deep. Their quarterback, Billy Smith, was on fire. 
just hitting deep bombs left and right. Um, and, you know, Madawan just was having trouble defending that. They they turned the ball over a few times uh, with some interceptions, and it just kind of snowballed from there in a negative direction. And you're right. It's not like they can turn around now in week one and say, all right, like get right back on the horse and just get back to, you know, square one. No, you have one of the best teams in the shore, you know, get ready to play you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's easy to there's say. There's less of a margin for error. Right. And it's easy to say, like, okay, this – some coaches almost say, you know, week zero is like a glorified scrimmage. You know, we're not all totally mm-hmm. together because the preseason's so compressed now. So you could spin it as, you know, let's just flush that and move on. But it's really tough to roll right from that into uh, the Rumson game. But speaking of really tough, I was at the Bergen Catholic RBC <laughs> game um, at Count Basie Field. I, I did like the fact, just first of all, that RBC scheduled this game. Mm-hmm. And after the game, Mike Lang, their head coach, said, you know, we don't duck anybody. That's our, like, philosophy. Like, we'll play the best of the best. Bergen Catholic ranked in the 20s in a couple national polls, number one in New Jersey. Um, they dominated RBC in the first half, and it was felt like RBC finally sort of settled down a little bit and got back into the game in the second half. But by that point, it's 24 to nothing. RBC did mount one scoring drive. Um, it's one of those games where you're trying to figure out, like, is RBC really going to struggle in some of these areas? Or is it just because Bergen Catholic is so good that they're going to make a lot of teams? Like, RBC could not run the ball whatsoever in the first half. They didn't even have a first down until, like, the last minute of the half, which is, you know, for an offense that averaged 33 points a game last year, was tough. I mean, they're still kind of figuring out, like, running back by committee right now, which is abnormal for them you know they normally have that star tailback they had Sabino Portella last year um but I guess it's the feeling is you know they feel like there's no moral victories but this game will help us because we're not going to see a better team than this the rest of the season um I felt like Frankie Williams their quarterback settled in a little bit more in the second half got the ball to um to a lot to Emmanuel Ross a few times um Kurzakowski, the tight end, had a, a few nice catches. So I, I think that, you know, they, there was a few good things they could find. But, yeah, that was uh, – th- that Bergen Catholic team, it's going to take a lot for somebody to knock them off this year. And in that game, you see the difference, you know, with those North Jersey Super Football Conference, the top non-public schools. And it's – you know, Red, make no mistake, Red Bank Catholic is a really, really good team, very talented team, multiple FBS recruits on there. But you look at RBC and you got, you know, three of those guys, you know, maybe four when you're talking about Davin Bruton, Emmanuel Ross, Tyler Burnham, and uh, Lorenzo Portello, you know, kind of a right. high FCS, low FBS guy as far as recruits go. Um, and then a bunch of other really good players. And Burton Catholic has like 10, 11 right. FBS recruits. It's just, it's hard to, you know, replicate that in terms of how many of those guys they have. And they just have depth in areas that other teams don't. And you see it in games like that where right, RBC played pretty well, especially on defense, you know, and, and in certain areas. But it's just that's why they're the yeah, they really team. only allowed a few big plays in the run game. Um, Kaj Sanders, who's headed to Rutgers, uh, broke two runs. But like they only allowed four runs of 10 or more yards. And one of them was kind of like a throwaway one against Bergen Catholic. That's pretty good, given the backs that they have in that backfield. And they only got burned for one deep ball. I think to me it was more the struggles on offense that they that you really got to fix, and that would give you a little more concern. I mean, the defense to me dug in in a lot of spots. They sacked 
Dominic Campanile multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, Bruton was in there. Luke Wasif was in there. He had an interception. Um, so, yeah, I thought defensively they showed that's definitely going to be the strength of their team, like from what I could see. And that Emmanuel Ross quietly is an unbelievable defensive yeah, back. I was going to ask you about that, right? He As did a, a star wide receiver. Yeah, Quincy Porter he was going head up with, who's got offers from Georgia and Florida State and whatever else you want to name. <laughs> and, you know, a couple other FBS-level guys back there. And he was doing a great job against them, you know, stride for stride, batted one away down deep down the sideline early in the game. Um, yeah, he really competed at, at a high level on both sides. But, you know, now for RBC, you got Colts Neck this week, which has got the little subplot of Matt Ahern, the mm -hmm. Colts neck head coach was a longtime offensive coordinator at RBC during a lot of their championship years. So they're uh, renewing acquaintances and you got Colts neck also coming off a loss at a game you were at. I mean, I thought that was also one of the more impressive week zero games was that showing by point Burrow. The shore sports network podcast is brought to you by iron house performance center programs for developing and improving strength, speed, quickness, and endurance with training packages for all ages. Visit ironhousepc.com or head to their location at 507 Okerson Road in Freehold. It was, uh, and I was there on Saturday night at Al Sainter Field, and that's an opening week Colonial Division game. You know, Point Burrow and Raritan now in that division with four group four schools, Manalp and Long Branch, Colts Neck, Red Bank. And you know, with Point Burrow, it's like, we know they're good. They, you know, they were won a sectional title two years ago, you know, were nine and one last year, but had a great season, brought back a lot of their key players. Uh, but it's how are they going to fare against these bigger schools? And a team like Colts Neck, I thought was a good referendum for them, like big and physical up front, where that's the biggest difference for me with the group two schools, group ones going up with the bigger schools. It's the offensive line where like Charles Boom Davison is Point Burrow's biggest lineman. He's like 6'1", 260s, 270 maybe. That Colts, that's like every guy is that on Colts. That. <laughs> Charlie Whale on their left tackle uh, is 6'7", you know, 275 pounds. So how is how are they going to fare? And, and Point Burrow passed the test because they end up being the ones, you know, we wearing Colts neck out in the second half um, and hit a bunch of big plays. Um, they gave up some, some yardage defensively. Uh, you know, Chris Scully, Colts next standout uh, senior running back, ran for a buck 46 and two touchdowns. But, you know, they they really did a good job outside of that. And on the flip side, they ran for almost 400 yards. So I thought that was a very and, important And you, you, I think you, you got to see a new star potentially yes. being born. Yeah, Jay Clayton, their freshman. Uh, I know a lot of guys. I live in the area. So I've known about him coming up for a couple of years. Three sports standout. Really good baseball player. Might be his best sport, wrestler and football. Um, and he had a couple touches and uh, took them both to the house. So uh, the big one being the 77-yard kickoff return to a touchdown uh, for a touchdown to start the third quarter. Colts got scored with under 30 seconds left in the first half, tie the game at 14. If you're Point Burrow, I, I imagine it's frustrating at, at the very least. They get the ball to start the second half, and it's like a bouncing kickoff. And I'm thinking, like, oh, my, is it going to run up? And he tries to – and he that's where the baseball player in him comes in. I mean, he picked this thing on a short hop kind of found his hole, went to the visiting silent and was gone. And from there, you know, they put two more touchdowns in and put the game away. Earlier in the game, in the second quarter, he took a pitch and took that one in 31 yards in the score. So now that gives Point Burrow legitimately three players with quarterback Matt Oliphant and running back Jay Croce. 
that can score anytime they touch the ball. Yeah, that's my thing. When they get that third guy, when they get that slot that you now have to worry about, in addition to the fullback and the quarterback, I mean, that's pretty lethal. And, you know, Brian Staub, their head coach, said as much. He said, when we've had that, our best offenses have had that third guy. And you mentioned Brandon Cipriano in 2017 when they had a team that went to the sectional final with James Farrak, quarterback. And then the last couple of years with Connor Salento, averaged, he averaged 13 and a half yards per carry last year, which is still an insane number to even look at. So now you add Clayton into the mix, who's only a freshman. You know, as he gets older, he's going to see even more time on defense. He did play in the secondary. So, yeah, I mean, Point Burrow, you got to love that win because you played well. You answered some questions, um, at least from outside looking in. And you showcased another standout player who's going to help you on both sides of the ball. And speaking of that division, another game that caught my interest, and I talked to Coach Lepore afterwards, Manalpin beating Wall in kind of like a game like you felt like Wall really needed this game more than anything Mm -hmm. just because they play in the American division. It's so hard to get wins. But, you know, it was interesting to me that Wall closed the gap to 21 to 13 in the fourth quarter. And I felt like that could have been a little deja vu scariness for Manalpin. Like, here we go again. How many games last year were they leading or right there in the fourth quarter and the team overtook them or they couldn't, you know, finish the drive or something like that. But instead they scored two unanswered touchdowns, win the game going away 35, 13. I thought that was just a huge confidence booster. Ryan Doherty, their new quarterback played well. They ran the ball well. So I think to me that's huge going into a game that you're going to be at this week coming up on Thursday uh, against Jackson Memorial, which I guess is also part of the Manalapin Revenge Tour. They lost to Wall last year. They got that one, and then Jackson knocked them out of the playoffs in that kind of low-scoring slugfest. But I thought that was big for them just given how many heartbreakers they lost in the fourth quarter last year. That was the theme for them in a way last season. It was like close but not good enough, like right there. Like came close to knocking off the Middletown South, like Rumson, like playing these teams extremely close, and they just they couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter or let it slip away in the fourth quarter. This was the opposite. Like, and Don mentioned that preseason talking to him, like, we got to finish this year. Well, they they got that message loud and clear. So an important win in that regard. And also while while in a different spot because they're in that American division. So you, you gotta try to win any non-divisional games you can. Because you know what kind of slugfest it's going to be within that. Right. You know, Manalpa knew that last season. They're in the same boat. Uh, so for them to get a win and the way they won it, and a, a lot of the backstory in it, it was Kyle Mullen night, where they honored Kyle Mullen, their former star, who was tragically killed in a Navy SEAL training accident. They had his um, uh, some of his former teammates from Yale come um, and had like a bust made of him that they put up by the rock by the school board. So a lot of emotion in it. You're playing Wall, which is coached by Foreman Alpahood coach Ed Grary. Him and Dom are still really good friends. Wall beat them last year, so there's like a ton going into that. So from now up and come out with a win, like, yeah, that's a tone setter. We say that a lot, and it's still early, but I think in this instance, it's very true. I think that's a win that can really set Manalpa up to have a bounce back year. And to get 35 points. You know, a lot of these yes. games last year, Manalpa was 17-14, you know, 14-10. So to I think to put up four touchdowns, they did score a defensive touchdown there at the end. That's important, too, because as we know, Jackson was a tough team last year. They bring back a lot of key pieces this year. It's their opener. 
um, on Thursday. So that I think is going to be another important clash uh, for Manalpin. Uh, and that's just a great rival. I, it's quietly one of the more underrated rivalries out there too. Cause they're, you know, Malpin Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And they've, they, they are, they're close. They've been in the same division a bunch of times before, not when it was a North, a South, et cetera, but the previous American division, you know, going back. So there's that rivalry. They've met in the playoffs a bunch of times. I, I think for a bunch of years in a row, they weren't in the same division, but opened with each other like they're doing now. You know, in Jackson's cases, they're open. So, yeah, yeah, it feels like they either scrimmage each other or they play each other every yeah. single year. You know, and, and it's always a physical, tough yeah. game, too. Exactly. And last year was a playoff game, you know, in a big – I think it was an interception turn by Ethan Kalinowskis, who's now their senior linebacker, uh, you know, was the deciding factor. So that'll be a good one. I'm an Alpin as well. Like, I, I'm going through the numbers after the game and, and writing the recap. And I'm like, this looks like a vintage Manalpin win in the sense where – They've always, like in their heyday, they had amazing players, always a standout tailback, but they were always very balanced and not just offensively. Like they had a really good defense. Their special teams was always awesome. And then you look at that, it's like Jason Rodriguez ran for 95 yards and a couple touchdowns. Anthony Macchio had like 78 yards receiving. Their quarterback, you know, did enough what they want them to do, you know, take advantage of the opportunities, don't turn the ball over. You know, they got a, a defensive touchdown by Vindy Filippo. Their special teams is really good with, with Jake Horowitz kicking and punting. So like that's the formula for Manalpin. And if they're going to do that every week, they're going to be right there in the division and make some noise in the playoffs. And I also, you know, Coach Lepore was saying, you know, a lot was written in the preseason about Wall's offensive line mm -hmm. and how that was going to be a real strength. And I think the Manalpin guys saw that and thought, you know, that's our bread and butter. You know, we're mm -hmm. the ones that always have a, a physical offensive line. So I think that motivated them too to get that run game um, cranked up. And another team that I thought had a nice confidence boosting start to the season was Middletown North. They were tied 21 all with Freehold Township at halftime and then took over the second half to win 45 21. And this is one of the lowest scoring teams in the shore last year. They only averaged like 14 points a game. So to, to come out of the gate and get that kind of total, Luke Sheehan was real efficient. Their senior quarterback, he was 11 for 15, 187 yards, threw a couple touchdowns. They had two running backs go over 100 yards. Um, so I thought, I thought, especially going into when you're matched up with Brick Memorial, you like they will be this week. You got to be like, well, our offense better be in gear when we face these guys because we're going to need a decent amount of points probably to beat them. Um, so yeah, I thought for North, you know, that was a, a, a big confidence booster of just like, okay, we can score like that on somebody and we can control the game on the ground like that. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good win, an impressive win. And again, the way they did it, you know, looks like it can set them up for success because you have, you have two backs over hundred yards, you know, she you know, did his thing and threw the ball well. Uh, and then defensively, you know, it's tied 21, 21, whatever adjustments they made worked out perfectly. So, you know, Freehold Township being a difficult team to defend, they run that spread, sometimes traditional spread, sometimes full-on air raid under Corey Davies. And their quarterback, Nick Cardone, had a really good half, you know, threw the ball over the place, was their leading rusher. Um, and Middleton North completely bottled him up in the second half, outscored him 24-0, and away they go. And, and their defense played well. I mean, Justin Soto, their senior linebacker, you know, was in the backfield a lot, a sack, three tackles for loss, forced to fumble, Um so, you know, they played physical, caused some havoc with some turnovers and, you know, leading into the game against Brick Morrill, that, that'll be huge because, like, that's a game where, like, uh, the calculator is going to be burning on my phone as I'm right. trying to add up all the stats 
uh, potentially. So if you can get a stop or two or a turnover, like that might be the difference in that game where it's one of those, maybe the team. Or, the yeah. And, or if you can grind the clock with the running, with the running Not game too. and kind of make Connor Deitch stand over there on the mm-hmm. side, or he plays defense too, but you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> not have him under center going against you. Um, and and it, it's a very interesting uh, running back tandem they have too. Nino Morgan Acker didn't play football his freshman year. Like he played youth football. Steve Bush, their head coach told me he recruited him out of gym class, like to come out for the football team. He played last year. He's a very physical back. He's like 5'11", like tank. And then the other running back, Shane Volante, I'm talking to Luke Sheehan. He's five foot two which you do not see tiny, but he can flop. So he's the guy who gets out in the perimeter. And if you miss him, he'll take off on you. So it's definitely like that good power and speed. And even Sheehan is an underrated runner himself. Mm -hmm. He doesn't take off a ton, but uh, you know, I think he's another guy in a pinch on a big third down, things like that. He can run, but yeah, they're going to, they're going to need all of it because I mean, your alma mater came out, and it erupted against Allentown in that first game to show what they could do. On uh, first on Morgan Acker and uh, and Volante, Thunder and Lightning's played out, so we need to think of like a better nickname for that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll work on that uh, as as the days and weeks go on. But with Brick Morrow, yeah, Connor Dietz, their senior quarterback, has he's rewritten the record book at Brick Morrow. He's already their all time leading rusher. If he keeps pace with what he already did week zero and last year, he's going to pass Brian Bowl and become their all time leading passer. It's literally he's going to have every offensive record they've ever had, which is impressive because they've had some great ones come through at the tailback yeah. position, going back to Sean Murray and then Vinny Falkowitz, who held it before Deed. So, but they, yeah, they detonated Allentown there in the second half. It was a close game. And then they just, you know, put their foot on the gas and peeled out 51 25. Deeds combined for six touchdowns, ran for 225 and five, threw for 173 and a touchdown. And it's like, those are insane numbers, but we've kind of become numb to them because they happen so often from him and from a lot of other players, but still we should recognize that that's pretty incredible. Uh, he was our short sports network uh, week zero offensive player of the week. Well-deserved. Uh, they had 532 yards of offense and not surprising. That's what they did last season. It was one of the top offenses in the shore. The question is defensively, can they be better because they're going to have to be, if they want to you know, reach their goals and kind of play to their potential. So, I think they did a good job because if I'm not mistaken, it was close. Allentown was in the twenties early and then they, they shut them down from there, but they're going to have to, you know, be on their game against Middletown North. Cause we just saw what they can do, uh, you know, week zero as well, putting up 45. Right. And as far as like the one sort of thriller, even though it was low scoring Manasquan and that could like, you talked about this before that that quietly could be a huge game for that division as we move forward in the season, but yeah, they beat shore regional 14 to seven on a touchdown pass by Frank Farfaro in the, what the final 35 seconds of the game. So, you know, that a ton of new guys breaking in on offense for Manasquan and sure always a tough defensive team. So not shocking there that it was, you know, still pretty low scoring and tight, but they were down seven, nothing for a while and came back and, uh, and got a win. And that's kind of those, one of those ones you get that under your belt and you feel like, okay, we can only get better from here. But I thought that um, – and, and Shore is probably upset, you know, if they felt like one got away. That would have – I mean, it's not rare that they've beaten Manasquan. Like, you know, it's pretty rare they've beaten Manasquan in their mm-hmm. history. Um, but I thought, yeah, that was uh, one of those swing games. You look back a couple weeks and go, man, one quarter, a couple plays could be a big difference in a team season. 
every team wants to set the tone, you know, the win week zero or whenever you start the season. The way Maniswan's roster is, you know, they moved on. They, they graduated their leading passer, their leading rusher, their leading receiver. <laughs> and Jack Detlinger was also their kicker. And and so some important guys. So it's Maniswan. We know what their identity is. You know, it's an I-formation team, plays tough defense. We know their tradition. But there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new guys are going to be relied on, you know, to be the guy this year. Uh, and when you win like that week zero, I feel like that's an affirmation of all the stuff you did in the offseason and the messages the coaching staff was trying to get through. So I think that could be a huge win in that regard, not to mention the potential division title implications. So to, just to pull out a win like that, you said down seven, nothing, tie the game, and then to pull one out in the fourth quarter, you know, one of those like just find a way to win games, you know, you learn a little something about your team. Uh, you know, the coaches do about their players, the teammates do about each other. Um, and that, you know, could be a win that kind of sparks them, um, you know, to win some of these tight games going forward. Now the difficulty ramps up a lot this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's to say, Point you're Burrow, probably yeah. going to need, you're probably going to need more than 14 points to yeah. get the win this week against Point Burrow. I would think so. Unless the defense is going to really, you know, rise to the occasion uh, and, and stop them. But, you know, they, it's awesome that they renewed this rivalry because they're not the Thanksgiving day rivals anymore. Point Burrow doesn't play on Thanksgiving while Maniswan still continue with that, which is an awesome rivalry. But Point Burrow Maniswan was a big one for a long time. You'll yeah. still touch some of the guys being like, nah, we don't go down across the bridge. Like it's kind of funny because you don't think of it. It's not, there's not animosity there, but those guys want to win that like badly. There's a lot of trash talk that goes on. You know, they're friends. A lot of these guys, they know each other, but it's a big rivalry game. So like, when those teams win it, it's big, and when they lose it, they're, they're pretty annoyed by it. Point Burrow rung up Banaspawn pretty good last season, um, and you know they're going to be out for some blood this year. Like, that was – talking to Charles Davison after the game. He was real fired up talking a mile a minute, but he made sure to get in like, hey, we got a big one next week at Banaspawn. Like, we really respect them. We're not taking them lightly. Like, we're coming for them. So, it's – they're they're focused. Yeah, you're right. That's one of those you – know, yes, Point Burrow won by a lot last year, but these rivalry games, you can't just like – make an assumption that it's just going to be the same thing all over again, because you're right. Manasquan, that's like one of the better rivalries around, you know, so that you're going to see Squan come out hard in that game. It's just a question of whether they have enough offense or like you said, unless their defense can defend that triple option better than all the other teams that haven't been able to seem to solve it. Um, and when you talk about big number, another game that stood out to me for an individual performance Keyport, you know, blew out Manville, who had beaten them last year. But the interesting wrinkle in that is they took Nas Treadwell, who's their thousand-yard star running back, committed to Holy Cross, and they did the Ashante Worthy. They moved him to quarterback <laughs> so that he's under center. The ball is in his hands dozens of times a game, and he rolled up like over 250 yards of offense against them. That could be – I mean, you remember, you saw some of those games – when Freehold Borough coach Dave Ellis made that switch from Worthy at tailback to quarterback, it unleashed like the yeah. greatest offensive run that anyone's ever seen in this conference. It, it's Dave Ellis has had a really good run at Freehold. Uh, I, Dave's a great guy. He's like, hopefully, you know, they win a sectional title, do something like that. But his like legacy, a large part of it is going to be like making that decision because it wasn't like it wasn't a normal thing. It was like, wait a second, like what's Freehold doing? They just had Worthy in the backfield. like, And then it's like, oh, my gosh, like nobody can stop this. And we've seen a little bit more with some other teams. Certainly Freehold has done it. 
And now Keyport going to that, like, hey, we're just going to throw our best player back there. It comes down to, like, can they throw the ball, like, and like legitimately and keep teams honest? And Treadwell did. It was four for four, you know, through a couple of touchdown passes. So, yeah, I mean. That, yeah, that and, could be- and, uh, and Keyport's coach, Jason Glesman, told me he threw an 80-yard touchdown pass to Mike Ford that got called back. Got called for a back, touchdown. yeah. So he has like a, a really strong arm for somebody. And apparently, you know, they they had a, a sophomore Applewhite who was slated to start at quarterback and he had an injury during the week. So he just, Glesman just goes to Nas Treadwell and says, we're going to need you to play quarterback. And he said, all right, no problem. I got you. Yeah. And then just goes out and does that. But, you know, I think the other thing too is keyboard has other weapons. Like we just mentioned mm-hmm. Ford and other guys that like, you can't just completely sell out on treadwell because there are other guys on that team that can hurt you what's scary about that is if you know what that offense does is it just ensures that your absolute best player has the ball in his hands on every single play and if you're an opposing team like that's not good for you because you know yes you can just turn around and hand it off to him in every play but like you're not going to do that it's it's obvious you're doing that when he has the ball you don't know what they're doing like that especially in the Patriot division, like that could unlock, like you said, like some insane season here where Keyport can really go on a run. Like it's going to be interesting to see week by week how that goes. Cause if he's doing that every week and it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I mean, yeah. And it, do, it does add more wrinkles. Like coach Glesman was telling me they've added some read option stuff, you know, where he's reading the D end or keeping it or pitching it. So that's scary. You freeze and he runs by you. Yes. Like that might be like a 60 yard touchdown, but I mean, we also saw the sophomore, Makai Henderson, had a 96-yard touchdown run in that game um, against Manville. So, and, you know, Andre Matthew is another weapon. So they have multiple other guys. I mean, I know teams are still going to be out there trying to stop, you know, Treadwell. But the, the thing is, the offense can work when you have these other people who can hurt you besides mm-hmm. Treadwell. So, I mean, and it's ironic, we just talk about, worthy and all that like who's keyport playing this week freehold borough it is um, yeah, so we'll open up their season yeah we'll get a yeah. look at that um but yeah so that, that is pretty funny <laughs> like looking in the mirror the spider-man meme where you're like, hey what's yeah. going on <laughs> so yeah yeah I, that's, with- that's a fascinating game to me because borough went winless last year mm-hmm. they really struggled they did play howell tough in their last game after having like a bunch of lopsided games they looked a lot better in the preseason. They beat a couple teams in their mm-hmm. scrimmages. Um, yes. So I think that, you know, they they have a chance to turn it around. And this is, goes back to, like, you know how you were talking about Point Borough going up against the bigger school, Colts Neck, the line mm-hmm. and all that. I think this is a similar situation, like a group one team going up against a bigger school up front. Like, how is that going to play out? Yeah, this is where you'll see how much that matters. Depth, things like that, where, you know, Let's say one of Keyport's top line and like goes out for the game. Even for a quarter, like that, that might be enough to like sink the operation if they don't have the depth there, where the bigger schools, ideally, you know, can handle that. So that's always the question with the smaller school based on the bigger school. So yeah, that's definitely something to watch there. The Shore Sports Network podcast is brought to you by Jersey Mike's, a Jersey Shore icon with locations throughout Ocean and Monmouth counties. Jersey Mike's is a proud and longtime supporter of short conference athletics jersey mics be a sub above An- another game i want to talk about which was like all defense like it produced the short conference defensive player of the week and the special teams player of the week was monmouth barnegat 
It was only 7-6. Uh, an extra point made the difference. Uh, Evan Booth, who was our special teams player, we kicked the eventual winning extra point, blocked the would-be tying extra point, uh, and had a couple interceptions on defense, played really well. And then Cole Toddings on Barnegat went completely nuts with 16 tackles, eight tackles for a loss. Like eight tackles for a loss is insane. And right. like both three multiple sacks. So yeah, that that's a that's a good game individual for those guys, but a nice win for Monmouth to start the season. They, you know, they've been a lot better under head coach Dan Wendell, but they graduated some big time players. Uh they're running back uh and their standout wide receiver, Taj Wiggins and um their running back, his last name is Jones. He's escaping me right now. But yeah, they were that that's a nice win for them to start up the season. And now let's talk, let's talk big picture. We came out, you actually, yeah, I'm gonna blame you because like you have to do the <laughs> rankings and I don't have to do that anymore. So yeah. you came out with the sure 16 with to start the year, which I like the idea. Let's recognize some more teams. The number one team to me just you know cemented things even further toms river north that that win that they have to me is the best win that anyone in new jersey had the first week <laughs> um yeah and then you were at the big game rumson south it's interesting you know the rumson obviously deserves they're going to move up great mm-hmm. win for them and it's like where where do we go with middletown south given that they have this crucial injury to a key player i guess we'll find out if they can if he's not going to be able to play this week or next week, like they'll have to grind out a couple of wins maybe, and then try to get back in the mix. But it's like, yeah, how far do you drop them or don't, I mean, we'll, we'll find out when your next rankings come out, but that's hard to, <laughs> that's hard to figure out though. Right. Cause when you're like, how do you rank a team that might have a key guy who's in or out of the lineup, or if he does play, he's not at a hundred percent. Yeah. You're, you're forced to speculate a little bit. And if this is in the NFL where you, you know, and you're covering injuries in that manner, nor do you know what's going on with it as, as it should be. But yeah, it, it, without Zwicky, they're a different team. So how long does that last? Um, and, and can they, you know, stay afloat and, and remain competitive given the schedule, you know, if he's out in any of those games? So I think time will tell. You're not going to ding them. You know, I'm not going to ding them too much now. It's, they lost to another great team. We talked about this before the season, like you're splitting hairs with a lot of these teams in the American division because they can all beat each other in any given day. So really is going to come down to the results on the field, which is nice with those teams because it ideally should right. make the ranking job a little bit easier. It didn't a couple of years ago when we had Donovan Rumson and RBC all beating each other, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And I mean, the one other rankings move, right. You had Manalpin beating a wall team that was ranked just a few spots ahead of them, like down yeah. there, you know, they're right there so with I- 14 and 13. So, right. Yeah. That, that's a game you're basically saying is practically even on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, a matchup that's intriguing to me this week um, is Long Branch against Donovan Catholic. Mm-hmm. Long Branch went up to Piscataway, who we know is a quality program there in Middlesex County, always a playoff contender. And they ran all over them for like 300 plus yards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, are they going to be able to do that against the Donovan Catholic team that also was impressive? In their opener, beating the South Jersey Power, St. Augustine, Michael Thomas, the all-world receiver, having another a huge game, 100-plus yards. So, like, that game is kind of intriguing to me. It's a non-divisional game. Um, you know, Long Branch is not in the American division. So, you know, that to me is kind of fascinating from two teams that came out and played really well in the first week zero. It is. It's, you know, it's one of those – yeah, it is a non-divisional game. I think I labeled wrong on the schedule now that I'm looking at it. But – uh 
you know, Donovan, that's a really nice win against St. Augustine. That's two you know, top 15 teams, you know, in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, Donovan, a little bit more balanced right now, at least what they showed in week one, because, you know, they have Michael Thomas there, who's one of the best receivers in the state. And he proved it with the big game. Their sophomore running back, Najee Calhoun, you know, he had a great freshman season. We can expect great things out of him. Their defense is awesome. Um, so Long Branch is going to have to prove, because Long Branch ran for, a, you know, Ernest Reaver, the quarterback, went over 200. Uh, you know, Zaheem Brown, their senior running back, approached oh, wow. 200 yards. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to have, are you going to be able to replicate replicate that against that Donovan? Right. Can, can you be not. that one-dimensional against Donovan yeah. Catholic and, and beat them? Un- unlikely. You know, you're not going to say never, but unlikely. So you're going to have to make some things happen through the air. And I think that's probably Long Branch's biggest question mark considering who they graduated. Sekou Kamau, Mike Hall, guys that were big in the passing game for Revy last season. So Donovan, A, has the leg up there as the higher ranked team, but more balance there. So you're right. You're going to see, can Long Branch, you know, win up front in the ways they did against Piscataway, at least enough to, to run their offense the way they want to? And can they hit some big plays as well? Hit some big plays in the passing game on the road. Yeah, and I but I thought that was definitely encouraging for them too, given how they had multiple new starters on their offensive mm-hmm. line at Long Branch. So yes. to come right out of the gate and turn in that kind of performance against a quality program, I mean, that's got to be a confidence boost. And you got to think in their division, they're right at right at the front of contenders in that division um as well. So I think like that that game stuck out to me. We talked about Brick Memorial Middletown North, which could be really fun. You're going to be at that game. Bring a couple extra light bulbs for the scoreboard just in case. <laughs> the call um, Ed Sarluka Jr., their AD, and just make sure he's got right. some extra like 100 watts on hand. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> are there any other games, like I guess that, you know, with a, a, a lot more teams getting started this week coming out for their first game, um, any other games coming up here in week one that you're really looking at? Central Southern's an interesting one. It's a rivalry game. They played for that uh, that Boyd Emmert Trophy, so there's a long history with that. You know, for both programs, you know, both teams came out with nice wins uh, in Week Zero. Central really big for them. They had a tough 2022. The injuries just completely submarine. You know, the entire season. Um, so for them to come out and start with a win was big. Um, and same thing with Southern. Southern's been just kind of like in middling team, to be honest. You know, not bad, but four and five, five and five, just haven't been able to break through. Um, so both with convincing wins. Uh, so one of those teams is going to be two and oh going into week three. So that's big for them to kind of set themselves up before they get into divisional play. So you can be two and oh, get get some momentum behind you and then get into your division. So that, that'll be an interesting one because both both teams showed big playability, you know, uh, Royalty Riley, they're a great junior receiver for Central, has multiple FBS. Uh, all-name team. Yes, all-name team. We'll get to that uh, later on down the line. Our all-name team we're trying to put together for the shore. We've got some good ones already. Send in any nominations. If you know anything. <laughs> but uh, he had a long kickoff return touchdown, and Cole Kramer on Southern went ballistic. Like an 80-yard touchdown run, an 86-yard kickoff return, and I believe a 65-yard touchdown reception. Uh, so that's, you know, two, two, one of those teams, two teams that scored a bunch of points and a rivalry. So that, that should be a good atmosphere down in Southern on Friday. Uh, yeah. Friday night. And we also get our first look at uh red bank regional. They're going to play uh free old township coming off the loss to Middletown North big expectations for RBR this year. They've kind of had that steady growth 
under Coach Shane found. They do have a question mark at quarterback. You know, that was kind of a battle between a couple guys in the preseason. Uh, their defense is going to be good. Their line should be good. But this will be our first uh, look at the Bucks this year against a team that's already, you know, trying not to fall into an 0-2 hole in Freehold Township. Um, and the other game that stood out to me is uh, Howell Wall, which mm -hmm. I think were we both were at that game last we year. We were last year. How, yeah. It was the Egan Elm show on his birthday. Yes. Yes, on Egan Elms on his birthday. He's back. This will be his season debut. Um, and we talked about last week how Wall had to have that game. They absolutely have to have this game. Because if you go into an 0-2 hole before that American Division schedule, you're in a lot of trouble. You're putting yourself, you're back really against the wall. But meanwhile, Howell has plenty of guys back, and they have some high expectations for themselves too. Yeah, they're, a, uh, they're certainly a contender in that Freedom Division, you know, which includes Jackson Memorial, uh, Marlboro, Middletown, North, Southern, Lacey. Uh, again, all these divisions are shaping up to be really competitive, and that's one of them. So we'll, we'll see. You mentioned, you know, they have you know, Egan Nelms back, quarterback Kevin Maloney, who's been – this will be his third year as a starter, has been one of the most consistent wide receivers in the shore. Brandon Wright back at running back. Ray DeFrancesco back, one of their linebackers. They they have pieces there, um, and they show they could beat, you know, teams – you know, they beat Wall, so they could certainly – you know, they can beat them again. It's in the card. So a big game for both teams, certainly for Wall coming off 1-0. And in sticking that division two, Marlboro's another team that's going to make its its season debut. Right. You now, one of the best seasons in program history last season, back to the playoffs for the first time in not since 99, winning the first playoff game since the Dan Klecko led team in 1994, going way back. So that was a huge season. That was a senior heavy team, though. So you have a right. lot of new faces from Marlboro, but you do return an all sure standout in Matt Cassidy, both sides of the ball at running back and, and linebacker. So that's big. Uh, they also and it's a question of like, you know, it, was it just one class of guys or two classes yes. of guys? Or is there a real solid foundation there? I mean, Marlboro never has had three winning seasons in a row. That's what they're yeah. trying to do this year. Which would be, yeah, certainly. Their head coach, Jason DeGott, has done a really nice job because to, to build that up to get to the point where they could, you know, put together and string together these good seasons – you know, it is big. And if they could do it again this year, it's like you go and you go, wow, they really turned that thing around. And there's some consistency in place where, you know, you know, at least they're going to be competitive year in and year out. And on the other side with Vianney, you know, they took a tough loss, 35 nothing to Hamilton. When I saw those guys at the short conference seven on seven tournament, their head coach, Jeff Papson, their assistant, Shannon Hoadley, who was previous at, at modern day. They're really high on that group, but they're so young. So their thought process is like, we, we really like this group. But like it might take some time. I could see that team second half of the season, you see them be more difficult to play against. And some of those younger guys, as they get more comfortable, you know, the talent starts to come out where they're thinking less and just playing. That's a team to watch, not just for next year, but later in this season too. Um, and they beat Marlboro last year. So that's a, a it's not like a rivalry, but it's like proximity. They're kind of close to each other. You get a lot of kids from Marlboro. I feel like go to yeah. Let's say Vianney's taken a lot of Marlboro guys over mm -hmm. the years, so you know that that can never be underestimated these days. When you're a public school and you're trying to retain your guys, you know you're trying to show that your program is is better than than the ones you know the non-publics. Um, so that's but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Marlboro can just keep the momentum going, keep being a winning team. You know. If, molding it around Cassidy with, with some new guys. I mean, the good, it's not, it was not good news. AJ Schwartz got hurt last year, yeah. but it also allowed another quarterback to come in and play. And, and you know, I, I think that that 
you know, those situations where you get thrown into the fire a little bit, well, now you can start the year. You've already been through a playoff atmosphere. You've been through it all. So I think that uh, that'll be beneficial to them too. And and last year also in the playoff game, I think Cassidy left the game like in the first half and didn't return. And they rallied to win. Granted, a lot of that was seniors that have since graduated. Ryan Mendez, you know, being a, a key you know, factor in that comeback. But as a team, like they showed they can get it done. It wasn't about just one guy as good as he is. So a lot of positives for the Mustangs coming into 2023. Three of the teams I just want to touch on real quick. Manchester, a real nice win over North Plainfield to start the season. 34-6. You know, Josh Love, four total touchdowns. Manny Swain, a big day on defense. So their coach, second-year coach Tommy Farrell, really trying to just instill, you know, a specific culture there and get things going. He's done a really nice job. I mean, you're not going to meet too many more enthusiastic guys who have just bought into the program, the school, the town. Like, he's doing all the right things. It's kind of been fun to, to see that growth there. Uh, and they'll travel to Barnegat for an old, an old B-South slobber knocker yeah. on, on Thursday. And then two other teams that are open their season, Pinelands, coming off a seven-win season. You know, they're probably the division favorite in their division. Uh, and they bring back some key pieces, Jamison Park, Jamin Parkinson, uh, their running back, Liam Villinger. They're, they're really good linebacker slash safety. who had like 150 tackles last season. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, year two under John Tierney. They're at Point Beach. Um, and then Holmdale, which, again, tough season last season. Their head coach, Jeff Rannis, was out uh, dealing with some, some medical issues. He's back now. And his old message when I was talking to him was like, we want to prove that like that last year was an aberration. We're not that. We're not going back to the same old Holmdale where like we have a good year. And then, you know, our one and nine, two and eight again. So they're really eager to be like, no, like that was an aberration. Like this is who we are this year. So I think that'll be interesting as they go into Detweiler Stadium, take on Tom's River South. Yeah. And Tom's River South is another program that's trying to get it in gear after, you know, a couple of really rough seasons. Um, you know, it's it's still a little surreal sometimes when you see Tom's River South and Tom's River East struggling, because I know for so many stretches of how long you and I have been covering shore conference football, they've been you know, perennial contenders in the division and in the state playoffs. So, you know, you hope that they can still, they can come back. I mean, Tom's River East fell to brick this opening week. I mean, brick plays, uh, trying to remember Jackson Liberty this week. We did. Yes. Um, So they're trying to get off to a two and O start. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think so far here in week zero, there wasn't too many like shocking results. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think it was, there was no like, oh my God, like this upset was like, we couldn't believe it. But it's kind of like so far, a lot of these guys are, these teams are kind of what that we thought they would be. Maybe a few, um, you know, scoring more or like showing that their returning group that may have struggled last year has gotten a lot better and they're going to be a bigger factor now that these guys are seniors. You can never underestimate that. Um, and the last wrinkle, if you want to end on it, um, New Egypt. Yes. Coming to the Shore Conference in 2024-25 school year. Uh, it does make sense to me. And it's funny because you talk to a lot of the group one football coaches in the Shore. And they're always looking for more like comparable games and mm-hmm. not getting stuck in divisions against bigger teams and having to play bigger schools all the time. So bringing New Egypt in as a group. And it makes sense. New Egypt's in Ocean County. It's not yes. like it's like some outlier. So they just played Point Beach, actually in the yes. season opener and beat them. But what do you think about them coming back? Especially their coach has a lot of short conference ties. 
He does. Steve Fence, his son, uh, and I believe Brady uh, is on Pinelands, the team we just talked about. So yeah, Steve, uh, I believe Steve was an assistant at Barnegat too for a while, right? With, yeah. with Rob and Manchester. Davis. So, yes, Manchester and Manchester for a long time. So he, he, yeah, he has a bunch of short conference connections, lives here himself. It, it makes sense. Not only are they an Ocean County school, but the fact that they're a group one school and we have a lot of group one schools that, you know, need some competition uh, and need some teams to play for a while. You know, they had that agreement with the GMC and the GMC kind of didn't want that anymore after we got the better teams in a lot of those games. I don't know if that's the real reason, but that I mean, that's that's always been the conjecture was that like our teams just tattooed their group one team <laughs> so bad that they were like, I don't know how much we love this agreement. But, that was a tough you know, time for that because that was because like the alternative is not. what are you going to do? And what are you going to do? Go to the West Jersey League and Football mm-hmm. League and start trying to play group ones from like. 50 miles away down in South Jersey, which is where new Egypt football wise was in. So now, you know, they come here and it, it just seems tailor-made for them to be in the division with Keyport, Asbury, uh, you know, potentially at least Keyport, Keensburg, Point Beach, new Egypt, you know, those real small schools playing at the same competitive level. And then you could certainly throw Asbury and shore in there and have a the complete group one, you know, uh, division if you wanted to go that route. So I, I think it just, it made too much sense for both the shore conference and new Egypt. And like, it's also in other sports too. It's not just, there's a football podcast, right. today, but it's in every other sport where you now put them in either B South, most likely or in B central. And they have these teams to play. If they're in B South, they're playing Barnegat and Pinelands and Jackson Liberty. Uh, if they're in B central, they're, they're playing teams we just spoke about. So it just from competitive balance uh, for new Egypt and from adding a team that makes sense to help its other member schools of the same group size, it, it's a no-brainer. So, so now I guess with, all eyes are on you, Allentown. Yeah, Allen. I have to say, Allentown <laughs> is the outlier here. They're they're still part of uh, what is Allentown's actually Monmouth County, I think, right? It is. It is. Yes. Yeah, Allentown's Monmouth. Yeah. It's the only right on so, the right on the edge there. But yeah, still Monmouth County, and it's like, yeah, man, what are you guys doing? And we got every other school in Monmouth and Ocean County a part of this now. Like, what's going on out there? The final outlier. Well, I'm back. You remember our early days covering it, working at the. Asbury Park Press driving out to uh, New Egypt and Allentown. I remember my first year every driving out to Allentown. Every oh, I'm Saturday. so old. I'm so old that New Egypt didn't even exist when I started at the press. They those those kids went to Allentown before the school opened. You will now be known as Scott pre New Egypt stump. Yes, before exactly. that's when you know you're old. Like Cold Snack, New Egypt, Jackson Liberty, like didn't exist like when I started so, covering the line of delineation before New Egypt and after New Egypt. Yes, you're right. Even Colts Neck too. Yep. You know, Colts Neck, Jackson Liberty, yeah, and Barnegat. One of the newer schools. So and Barnegat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You got those those three and plus. Uh, but no, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this week. I think this is good. I mean, and plus, if you're a real football junkie, you get Thursday, Friday, and Saturday yes. if you want to go watch games every day so that there's plenty of that um definitely some more good matchups this week and learn a lot more about these teams as we start to you know by three four week three you know two or three you start to get the separation all right now we know who the division contenders are really going to be you know now the the big matchups start kind of building up and looming but um yeah this is another good week of football as i scheme the schedule real quick i want to go back the one team that we didn't mention that opens up this week ocean so that's a big like ocean post Tyler Douglas, you know, your FBS quarterback. So that's going to be interesting. And other key pieces do Shane Garrett was a really good two-way player for them. 
uh, CJ Flanagan, Teo Andrews. So they lost some really key components off that team. Uh, Nick Caruso is their standout lineman, uh, who's their big returner uh, on offense, and he'll also play on defense too. So they host Lacey. That's going to be interesting just to see what Ocean looks like. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Uh, so we'll see them. Uh, and Lacey's trying to they, avoid they play Thursday night. Yeah, and and they have a Lacey team trying to avoid falling mm-hmm. into an zero and two hole after losing to Absagami. So I'm always interested how it works out with like the team that already has a game under their belt and, you know, the, the game time speed and all that you're used to it versus mm-hmm. the team, especially with a lot of new guys where this is their first real game. Uh, my biggest hope for games this week is not to be like this last week where so many players were falling down with cramps by the second <laughs> half of these games that it was like a soccer game. It was like every play that there was a collision, someone was on the ground and the refs had to blow it dead and they couldn't get up. I, at the RBC Bergen Catholic game, mm-hmm. I swear at one point in the second half, six or seven straight plays, they were blowing it dead. Well, the, the trainers, like their Fitbits must have exploded from like <laughs> running back and forth out to the field like a million times in a row. And I imagine if you're a trainer or a coach, like it's a little unnerving because you just look up and you see the player like down grabbing their leg and you're like, oh my gosh. And you're like, like I was joking with Point Borough uh, trainer, John Madden, which by the way, what a name for an athletic trainer. Yeah. So he's walking out and I think it might've been Jay Croce, their star running back, just a cramp. You know, he came out for one play, it was fine, but you see him down and he goes to walk out and he just you know, turns around like he's fine. Like you stretch out his leg, but. It's, you know, it's a factor early in the season, too, when it's still hot out. Uh, but, yeah, it's like, oh, it's just a cramp. Thank you. Like, we don't want anything yes. more serious happening. So, but, yes. That so everyone, be- everyone out there, get nice and hydrated for week one. The one other thing I'm hoping to not have to deal with is the insane bugs. I don't know if you dealt with any of that RBC. Uh, and the swamp was the swamp. It was like I felt like Jabba Chamberlain out there just getting attacked left and right. Like, I'm talking to Jeremy Schulte, Rumsley, the coach after the game. And we're both just in the middle of talking, just swatting like bugs off of each other. Oh, yeah. I was at Count Basie. It was like Jurassic Park over there <laughs> in the fourth quarter. There were so many bugs. I, I said to one of the officials, I'm like, you got a spare bug zapper anywhere, like in like, you know, your car or something. And then it was it was like one of those nights where you get home and you swear you've like raked your hair 50 times. And then you mm-hmm. sit there and you're writing and like a bug like is still crawling on you somehow. And you're just like, there's just no way to even get them all. This is horrible. I'm just gonna show up to Jackson the full like Jumanji slash like beekeeper. Get the beekeeper hat like, on the beekeeper like, hat. Look, I'm just just covering my bases here, guys. <laughs> so, on that note, uh, that's week zero and week one in a nutshell. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about next week. As always, I'm sure we'll find something else ridiculous to talk about towards the end. It's kind of what we do, especially when the Jets get started. That we might be. You Don't forget about my, my alma mater, man, Northwestern Rutgers, man. That's the game of the week in college football this week. It's a quiet offseason for Northwestern. Yes, nothing happened. No big no big upheaval. Everything's totally fine. Me and my wife, my fighting Irish look good in Dublin. Sam Hartman looks like he's pretty good. So we're liking to see that there. Some short conference guys, too, over there. Clarence Lewis, former modern day standout. Uh, you know, one of their captains, one of their leaders starting on the defensive side, too. So, that's probably something else we'll get into too as the college football season right. really gets ramping up. We got some big time players at the next level. So always fun to see what those guys do. Might even pop in with some Monmouth University stuff. They get started against an F- FBS opponent playing down in Florida Atlantic. They have the, the nation's leading rusher in FCS, Jaden Sheridan coming back. So the Hawks should be exciting. That's probably a segment we'll at least touch on as we get going here. Uh, it's Detroit Football Report here. So we 
Mom, this is a short team. We got to include those guys. Not to mention they, they're great supporters of Shore Sports Network and uh, just great guys over there in general. So, well, we'll see what the weekend brings. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your uh, Labor Day festivities. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. Thanks.